the sun comes up, I still can't go poo. The coffee cup, I still can't go poo. And do they know I've got to shit out my mind? Hello! Welcome to the Sweaty Oracle Podcast. I really recorded a banger for you guys earlier this week, uh, but there are some legalities involved in what I can say in it. So that's being run over by a team. Thank you for everyone patiently waiting. Let's record a new podcast while we wait. I promise it'll be worth the wait. Uh, Yeah, let's... Oh, God. What a horrible week for Broadway. Just what a hellscape week for Broadway. And I know everyone's probably tired of uh, me talking about Sarah Porkalobe, but I'm still not really over it. I'm still not really over how completely shitty the Broadway community has been for the past week. And I'm getting to you, Mrs. Lupone. I'm getting to you. But I want to start with the Sarah thing, because there's been a lot I want to say uh, that I cannot put on TikTok, because TikTok... Uh, we'll take it down instantly. It's fucking disgusting for to me that a male director who leads a production team can go onto his Facebook publicly, call one of his female non-binary. Uh, she uses she they. I I don't uh, female non-binary. I somebody help me with how to word that correctly. I consider myself a he they a him non-binary, and I have no idea how to go about the semantics of talking about that. So someone please educate me. Someone, someone, seriously, I'm, I'm being 100% honest. I need education in that. Anyway, so Sarah goes on to Vulture, uh, basically says that she doesn't love how her, her non-binary uh, female presenting uh, brown body is being treated in some of the scenes of the show. And and it also says something that everyone on Broadway thinks, which is that they're giving 75% after opening night happens, and they want a Tony Award, they are our nomination. That's what all this is for. To, 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 to try to say otherwise, you're stupid. You're stupid. You know this, you're stupid. Stop being purposely obtuse and stupid because a non-binary female presenting brown woman said what every little white chorus member on Broadway is motherfucking thinking. Shove it up your butt, please. I had to take a sip of tea from my uh, Epcot mug, my Figment Epcot Center mug from 1982, which definitely has lead paint on it. So you will see me get progressively angrier about this through this episode. <laughs> but it's like, it's like Jesus Christ, Broadway made all these bullshit commitments during the George Floyd protest and when things were reopening, that they were going to treat people of color and marginalized artists better. And then people of color and marginalized artists start started saying, hey, can we start getting treated better? Can we start being listened to? And Broadway said, fuck you, you ungrateful little fucks. Broadway has always treated marginalized people, brown people, trans people, non-binary people like 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 they should be honored to be in the room with all the rich whites. Broadway has always treated those creators that way. 
creators from from poorer demographics, creators who didn't grow up in the glitz and glamour, creators who didn't go to a conservatory. There's a lot of people Broadway treats that way, but the people Broadway treats that way the most are are the poor, the brown, and the and, and the trans non-binary community. Broadway is out for those motherfuckers. Broadway's also out for most women, but I, I am not even beginning to be qualified to talk about on that <laughs> anyway. Broadway always treats these creators this way. Like, they don't really deserve to be there, but but Broadway has thrown them a life raft and let them come onto their ship. And, like, frankly, fuck you. Fuck you. Fuck you. Fuck you. Fuck the producers who haven't said anything about the Sarah situation. About the fact that the director called a cast member a trick on Facebook. Trick is both racist and misogynistic language. Why is Roundabout not coming out in defense of the actor? Why are the unions not coming out in defense of Sarah? What the fuck is going on? Instead, I see all the Broadway shitheads liking the post and going on Broadway World under their shitty little pseudonyms. We all know who most of you are, by the way, you pieces of shit. We all know who's behind those usernames, most of us. You pieces of shit. And try to act like Sarah said something that personally offend them. If you actually get personally offended by anything someone on Broadway says, you need more fucking tragedy in your life. Get in a conflict with a family member or something. Jesus, you rich, spoiled fucks. You know nothing of suffering, so you have to project as if you're suffering onto interviews like this. Or you have to project your suffering onto Patty Lupone quitting the equity union. And we're getting to you, Patty. Because you people have no real tension or sorrow in your life because you have money. <laughs> Shut the fuck up. Get a grip. This Sarah situation does not even affect most of you. Most of you just want to be loud fucking assholes. I sent Sarah a message on Instagram, and I just think they are the motherfucking best. Uh, real friends of the channel support Sarah. Support the article. Support what was said in the article. If you don't, I frankly think you're being purposely obtuse to not conf like not confront what you already know about the Broadway world, about the theater world, because you want to live in this magical Disney fantasy. You're like Disney adults, those type of theater people. They want to live in this fucking fantasy bubble that does not exist. And when you say anything critical about their bubble, they flip the fuck out because they can't handle it because their entire financial and personal life are tied into this stupid, stupid, stupid hobby. Hobby. Let me say it again. Unless you're you're working in the theater or actively trying to work in theater, if you are just an audience member, you're a hobbyist, and that's fine, because hobbyists keep things open. But I'm motherfucking sick of rich, white hobbyists acting like they know any motherfucking thing about the realities of trying to make it as a working artist, about the realities of what most people on Broadway feel about their jobs, which it is. It is a job. Job. Not even a well-paying one over at the Roundabout Theater Company. 
Sarah, according to her interview, is not represented by an agency. She's probably getting, I mean, well under equity minimum, if I know the roundabout company. Why shouldn't she fucking speak out? And you would think people who got to the pinnacle of a craft like Broadway director would know how to respect the people who make the magic happen for them every fucking night. You would also think that you wouldn't pick Diane Paulus, who has been accused. Diane Paulus is not the co-director who wrote that post about Sarah, but Diane Paulus has certainly kept her fucking mouth shut since, hasn't she? Hasn't she? It's very interesting that Diane Paulus was allowed to give a radical new take in 1776. A radical new take that's already been done in like an encore concert and at various regional theaters. But I digress, Diane. It's crazy to me that we let Diane Paulus direct a revitalized uh, 1776 that focuses on women and non-binary and trans performers. And that focuses on race when Diane Paulus has been accused by multiple people over multiple years, over multiple productions, from actor to the person writing the show she was directing of racism and transphobia. Those are the two main things that have been lobbied at Diane Paulus from very credible accusations that she is racist and she has a wee bit of transphobia, a wee bit of the J.K. Rowling's in her motherfucker and we let her do this are we out of our fucking minds of course it is bungled together of course she doesn't understand what she's trying to say of course the production is completely misguided look who's guiding it Look who's guiding it. It's Diane Paulus. It's Diane Paulus who did a production of Hair, which is about 18-year-olds with hairy chests. And she cast 30-year-olds and, and told them to shave their chests. And they were singing about how young they are with hairy chests. But they were very old with bare chests. That's Diane Paulus. That's Diane Paulus. That's Diane Paulus. That's Diane Paulus. Let's die in Paulus. One more verse, let's go. Die and Paulus wants to do Porgy and Bess. May not be the best, but I digress. Decides to rewrite a classic show because she is lazy and can't figure out how to direct her way out of a hole. It gets so bad that Stephen Sondheim writes an op-ed in the New York Times. In the New York Times, Stephen Sondheim said, Diane, I got the fuck up. Diane. He says, shut the fuck up, Diane. I'm not a fan. I do not stand. Uh oh, uh, shut the fuck up, Diane. Ooh, uh, ooh. That's, that's, that's Diane, We Don't Stand. A new song from Jonathan the Sweaty Oracle. Available on iTunes soon. Lin Manuel Miranda, who? Exactly. <laughs> so stupid. Patricia, oh Patricia, it's time to talk about you Patricia, it is unfortunately time to say things that 2009 Jonathan would think he would never say about his god and queen 
Patti LuPone. You know, in 2009, I was so obsessed with Patti LuPone that I convinced my girlfriend at her Baptist <laughs> high school to sing Rainbow High for a showcase. And then we traveled through the night to go see Patti LuPone in North Carolina at a place called the ACOC Auditorium. And I will always remember it's called the ACOC Auditorium because Patti walked on stage and said, Welcome to a cock! <laughs> Can't forget your first time seeing Patti LuPone when she opens with welcoming you to a cock. Simply can't. So as all of you know right now, Patricia Lupone on October 17th, 2022, went on to Twitter. Isn't it funny that all these 70-year-olds and up have been using Twitter to just call this mass chaos? (laughs) And Patty writes, quite a week on Broadway. We'll give context for that in a minute. Seeing my name being bandied about. Gave up my equity card. No longer part of the circus figure it out. So, as most of you know, but I do want to give full context to people listening, earlier, uh, I don't know if it's been a week, I don't know if it's been a month, time has kind of stopped, everything has stopped, time doesn't exist, where are we, what year is this, Twin Peaks The Return ending, Laura Palmer screams, cut to black, directed by David Lynch. Anyway, Lilius White uh, saw somebody in the front row of Town. Uh, that person was hearing impaired, and they were using a closed captioning device. And uh, Lilius, um, not in a way that many people could even see, made some comments to the girl because the girl thought, I don't want to say girl, I don't know their gender, that was shitty of me, because the person, uh, excuse me, because the person in in Miss White's eyes was using either a cell phone or a camera, right? Um, and that person that Miss White did that to felt very shamed because Broadway is already not a place like Broadway does not cater to really anybody who isn't able bodied. It's kind of revolting. And this person was just trying to enjoy a show and, 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 and be a part of an audience and felt called out and had a reason to be upset and had a reason to, to go to the production team about it. Also very shitty that the initial responses were, well, 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 Miss White wasn't doing it that obviously. If a person feels ashamed because of that, a person feels ashamed because of that. And the only thing you should be saying is, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I made a mistake. I will do better to educate myself so it will not happen to anyone else. I am so sorry. May uh, we we buy dinner for you and get you another ticket to the show. That's what I would do because I'm not a Broadway producer and I have uh, a little bit of empathy. It wanes, but a little bit. Got to have a sip of water. Now, I don't think it's Miss White's fault, really. Not really. It's the fault of Broadway not educating performers and people who work on Broadway about uh, accessibility devices. That's really what this comes down to. And so how Patty comes into this is Lilius White got, I I mean, death threats, got called the N-word, got, I mean, just graphic death disgusting things over this, messages. Patti LuPone did not when she when she stole an audience member's cell phone from the audience or when she screamed at a photographer during her penultimate production of Gypsy. 
who was supposed to be there. The photographer was supposed to be there and had spent, according to one article, most of the day with Patty. And that kind of created this culture where Broadway performers thought, I guess, I don't know, but Broadway performers think that they should call out an audience member for something, or in some cases, steal from an audience member. And that's maybe not great. That's maybe not too good. I think we were all amused in 2009 when Patty uh, screamed at the photographer because there, you know, there was audio of it instantly, and it, it was a big deal at the time. There was a remix. I can still Patty Lupone. She's gonna get ya, Patty. Lu- how do I still have that in my head? Autism, autism. That's how it's autism. <laughs> I don't know if it's that funny anymore. And I think it created this culture. And there are some shows where you could definitely do scream at the audience if you need to. Rocky Horror, Hedwig, because there is no fourth wall. But like, come on, come on. So Patty is framing, at least implying with the wording of her tweet, that she left equity because of the discourse about cell phones in the audience and filming, which is really bad because one that's not why she left equity and to frame it that way is very disingenuous when as broadway bob said patty could have used this moment as an opportunity to educate her crazy big following on accessibility on broadway instead uh she did this patty left the uh, patty knew she was not coming back to broadway according to my little spies all alleged and the saint of uh, bernard james bernard james theater where company was according to people i know patty left early and that's why the show closed because they asked christine baranski to come in but she wanted like five hundred thousand dollars and they were like now we ain't got it or didn't want to pay it or something i'd always heard patty lapone was going to leave company in october of this year around this time uh and they were going to film it for netflix i actually heard they filmed it in london for netflix but they wanted to hold and film it on broadway and I, you know, I don't know if that part is true or the part about wanting to film it is true, but I do have people in the building who say they tried to quickly replace Patty so the show could stay open and that the show was originally going to close in October and everyone was shocked when the closing notice came out. Patty knew she was probably going to quit the union, all signs point to, way before what happened over at Hades Town, which is why it just feels disingenuous, and I guess, and I hate saying this, like, a little bit shitty. It feels a little bit shitty. I don't, Patty Lepone is a smart woman. She knew what she was implying. Uh, also, people who are savvy in the community have known that Patty is not coming back patty has announced i don't think patty wanted to come back to broadway really in this until company presented itself uh she said after war paint she was not going to do another broadway musical she said in london she was not going to come to broadway unless the entire london cast transferred with her i patty lapone is kind of old and i think she's she's there are other things going on but but she's done that's why it just is really poop to see her go out this way and framing it this way uh, and it's just another way that, like, culture is, it's not dying in the United States. The old culture of culture is dead, uh, probably for the better. But, like, we've really, really, it feels like, have seen a stark decline 
in in how Broadway fits into that during the last week, uh, especially with also Angela Lansbury passing. It feels like a seismic change has happened. A seismic change that should have happened upon Broadway's reopening, but even though Broadway vowed, you know, passionately vowed to change, they still didn't. They still tried to open and keep the horrible status quos going. And now, after a season of that, they're being held accountable, and it's changing the whole paradigm. And that is kind of awesome. It has just been messy, draining, and kind of it's kind of made me jaded the last week. You know what I mean? I've said on TikTok this, but like the people being purposely obtuse about the Sarah situation so that they can continue their, frankly, racism and misogyny and transphobia is really gross because these are mostly the same people who are, who are, you know, glibly marching during the Black Lives Matter protests, knowing that they were not going to make a personal change, but knowing that it made a great photo op. It's that same kind of white neoliberal who's been making these arguments against Sarah and who's been acting as if Patti LuPone leaving is the end of the fucking world. Grow up. <laughs> Once again, you need real conflict and strife in your life. Please go get in a fight. Go yell at somebody. Go yell at, a, at, at somebody on the subway who's bothering you. Uh, go scream at your mother for all the ways she failed you in your childhood. Go call an ex and tell them that there ain't shit. But you need some conflict in your life because you need you need a little reality check. Humans do, unfortunately, need conflict. And I think that is a self-inflicted wound. You know what I mean? I think that's what Buddhism and the Tao are all about. But woof, woof daddy. Woof daddy. And, like, I don't think I care anymore really, about this version of Broadway. One, because the stuff I want to see, I can't see because I'm poor. Death of a Salesman is my favorite play. This production, I think, would rock my world. Uh, and I, I'm probably not going to get to go see it. Uh, Into the Woods, this production would not rock my world, but I'd still like to see it. You know what production will rock your world? The Bath England production that's transferring to the West End. Sorry, uh, Into the Woods on Broadway currently stands, but that is the superior Into the Woods that's running right now. I'm just telling you the truth. The shows I want to see, I know I'm never going to get to see because I'm poor. Uh, so it's kind of like, why should I get invested that much? And everything else, except for those very few shows I find interesting in concept, it's just like the hearing rumors that The Devil Wears Prada is indeed going to come in, even though Elton John himself said it wasn't ready. Our almost famous the musical. I could go on and on. I don't need to name. I don't need to keep shitting on all these shows by name. Y'all know what I hate. If you listen, why? How do I care about that? How on earth are any of you bringing yourself to care about bad Cinderella? How? 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 All of these motherfucking shows are going to be closed in less than six months forgotten like the pieces of shit that they are and that's not disrespect to the people in them who are performing in them or the people who make the sets or the people who make the things go up and down and make the tracks work shut up that is also an obtuse argument you know what i'm talking about you know what i'm talking about I'm talking about these 
cynically written, corporately produced shows that are destined to fail because they're made with no love. And audiences know when a show is made with love. Audiences cannot resist a show that is made because the creative team has to make it or they'll burst. And these shows, Almost Famous, Bad Cinderella, that is not that. Devil Wears Prada, that is not that. And audiences can intrinsically tell. That's why audiences are going completely crazy for the Notebook musical right now. Because the Notebook musical could have been a very cynical cash grab. But instead it is a delicately written, beautifully directed, and perfectly crafted piece of theater. Because the people making it, you can tell, really felt the need to tell that story. And audience members intrinsically feel that and react to it. Both ways. These cynically driven cash app, cash apps, cash app, juicy theater, T theater, re at gmail.com. <laughs> How do you care about a Broadway where millions and millions and millions of dollars are spent on those things? Uh, starring abusers funded secretly by Scott Rudin and directed by directors who uh, take chorus boys to Fire Island before their names officially appear on the cast list. Why should I care? Why should you care? Why should any of us care? And I think that is becoming the question of Broadway. Why should I care? I used to love Broadway discourse. Why should I care about a Broadway discourse that is filled with people making purposely obtuse arguments to continue their racism, transphobia, misogyny, uh, ableism, uh, what else, what else, what else, what else, what else? Uh, what do you call moneyism? Because, you know, Broadway love the rich. Broadway love the rich. They love uh, the rich, as the Italians would say. They love uh, the rich, and they hate uh, the poor. I think they look up poor artists who they find amusing, almost like animals in a zoo, but that is how uh, the rich have always treated true artists, so I guess what? What can you do? What am I even talking about anymore? I gotta take a sip of water. What's next? What fills this void? I'm kind of sad that Phantom is closing, not because I think Phantom of the Opera is a good musical, because I think every person who wants to direct or create theater needs to see that production and that theater and see how Hal Prince and the design team took a mediocre musical and, and makes you forget how mediocre it is by their just impeccable staging that whole story only moves along and you only don't notice the tremendous plot holes in it because of how prince's staging and i think people are really going to notice that when inevitably a cheaper version of phantom directed by that lawrence motherfucker who angeloid webber loves because he's cheap and he's banal just like angeloid webber and that lawrence guy are like the 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 theater equivalent of, of unflavored oatmeal, of grits without butter, salt, and cheese in them. English mush. English? English mush. 
And when it comes back in a cheaper version, I think a lot of people are going to be like, oh, shit, Phantom of the Opera kind of sucks. <laughs> the only reason Phantom of the Opera became a monolithic hit is because of Hal Prince, the design team, and the creative team that is not Andrew Lloyd Webber. And that is just facts. And it's kind of sad. You know, I don't have, as an adult, that much love for the material in the big mega musicals of the late 70s, 80s, and 90s, up until like the early 2000s, I guess, is when that continued. But like when I was a kid growing up in Florence, South Carolina, you know, I the first show I saw on tour was Les Mis, and I was like, oh my god, what the fuck is this? How the fuck does this exist? I was knocked over, and then I got into the Phantom cast. You know, I, all the shows I idolized were these monolithic mega musicals, usually British imports. And as I got older, I began to realize that there is, you know, that is there is much more engaging, challenging, and beautiful theater than that. But they still have a place in my heart, you know. Uh, and and that production of Les Mis, uh, not Les Mis, uh, Phantom Closing is really the last of that old guard, particularly after Cameron McIntosh closed Les Mis in the West End to put in a cheaper virgin. Virgin? <laughs> version. There are no virgins in theater. <laughs> because the industry fucks you one way or another, you know what I mean? What are y'all doing? How do you guys think Sweeney Todd's gonna do? part of me thinks Sweeney Todd is going to be the end of the big Sondheim revival. I don't know if I've said that before on these podcasts, but I have a feeling, a weird feeling that Sweeney Todd is going to be the death of the mega Sondheim revival, which is sad because we just got done with like a two decade period of like pared down Sondheim revivals, like turning big Sondheim shows into chamber pieces and reducing the orchestra. And with company, we were just getting back to big ass Sondheim. But oh no, oh no, no, no. And now Sweeney Todd with those prices and that budget, I mean, wow, wow, woof, wow, wow, wee, wow. King of the Castle, so they think. I don't know if they're going to make that money back. I don't know if people want to see it at that price. I truly don't, and I'm sad, you know, regardless of what the quality ends up being of this revival, that it will flop and it'll be the death of Big Sondheim uh, unless somebody like Lincoln Center picks up the mantle. I can see Lincoln Center doing a huge Follies or a little night music in the nearest nearish future. Maybe that's just a fantasy. You know what they should have done for Sondheim's death? And I heard they talked about this, but they didn't. But, of course, Broadway didn't do jack diddly shit to the person who shaped it into what it is. Their hero dies, and they didn't do a motherfucking thing. You had to go to the West End to go to a proper Sondheim tribute concert. Disgusting lazy bones. Disgusting lazy bones. Disgusting lazy bone. Narcissist ego fucks. Art of Broadway, peoples. They should have done each of Sondheim's big works as a concert at Lincoln Center with like an all-star giant cast for each and run each for like a week each, you know, like seven performances each and do it for an entire summer. They did not do that. Broadway instead decided to sing three minutes on the Tonys and get on the big stairs and sing Sunday in the Park. And that was that. Lower his old bones into the ground, baby. I finally listened to the Into the Woods, the new Into the Woods cast recording because I was bitter because there's no way I'm ever going to be able to afford to see that production. 
And god damn is it good. Particularly Bettina Miller, who I've always felt, frankly, like, I've always been... I've always thought she was technically great, but I've always been kind of cold to her performance style. But holy mother of God, that's the only last midnight I ever really need to listen to. Every time I listen to a new recording or see like a good new bootleg of, of, comp- of Company of Into the Woods or like when I was going to the Central Park production or like watching the bootleg of the Bath Revival, I always like my butthole tenses up to the point where a diamond could come out of it when it gets to the bridge. I guess you would call I don't know if Sondheim songs have bridges, but when it gets to you're so nice, you're not good, you're not bad, you're just nice, I'm not good, I'm not nice, I'm just right, I'm the witch, you're the world, because that's my absolute favorite Sondheim lyric. Uh, I don't know. I feel like autistic people really can 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 vibe with that lyric. You know what I mean? Because I feel that way a lot of the times. I feel like I'm just saying my I'm just saying my opinions loudly because I feel like they're the truth and I get shit on for it because I'm the witch and you're the world and people don't like true opinions. Maybe that's also uh, what's the word delusion. But I you know I think that's a common trait and people with autism we feel like like why are you booing me i'm right i absolutely have always loved that lyric if i was a little bit cooler i'd get it tattooed on my face i'm not lying i've thought about the placement so every time it gets to that patches i'm patch of music i'm so scared i'm gonna hear oh what is it you're so pure, but stay here, and in time you'll mature, and grow up to be them, so let's fly, you and I, far away, I'm the witch, I'm what know him, blah, blah, blah. Because uh, Sondheim, Sondheim and James Lapine I, I, somehow completely fucked up a uh, Into the Woods revival in 2001, like, fucked it up from all levels. They rewrote a bunch of shit that didn't need to be rewritten. They had to change keys for Vanessa Williams. Somehow they cast people who, like, 100% could not find any humor in the material or put any part of themselves into the characters. A shit show all around, aside from, like, the scenic design and special effects elements. Uh, and I've always wondered how they did that, you know, as those two men, not even 10 years prior, had the perfect production of Into the Woods still running on Broadway. Baffling. Completely baffling. And Sondheim changed all these, everything Sondheim has ever, if, if I may be so bold, everything that Sondheim has ever changed in his lyrics our music from the original Broadway run of the show has been an entire L, just an entire miss, except for adding Marry Me a Little back into company. That's very important. Thank God that happened. But that's the only one I can think of. Every time else he tinkers, it really, really lessens the piece, like very noticeably. We didn't need the three little pigs in Into the Woods, Stephen. We didn't need Jack and Little Red Riding Hood to join in at the end of Steps of a pa- Steps of the Palace. A Stephen. We just didn't need it, baby. You made a perfect thing, baby. You made a diamond. You made a rose, baby. You made a rose. You made a perfect rose. You wizard. You alchemist. You god. You king. Don't touch it. Leave it alone. <laughs> Please. <laughs> Imagine if Tennessee Williams kept going back and tinkering with Death of a Salesman. Death of a Salesman. A streetcar named Desire. No. No. Imagine if David Lynch kept going in and re-editing Eraserhead. Imagine if George Lucas had made the original Star Wars trilogy so unrecognizable from its theatrical release. That'd be crazy, wouldn't it?
Stop it, Stephen. Stop it. The Follies recording in London? Oh, Stephen. Oh, Stephen, where is the road you didn't take? Oh, Stephen, what are these lyrics in anybody's eyes? Oh, Stephen. Oh, Mr. Sondheim. Oh, Steve. What are you... Stop. Don't touch it, Steve. Don't, don't touch it. Get your hand off the stove, Steve. Please, you're scaring us, Stephen. Stephen, I'm scared. Put back in what you didn't take. You're frightening me. I'm getting the kids out. <laughs> We're getting a new Sondheim musical soon. I've been waiting to say that on a podcast. It's going to be the last one. It's called, uh, fuck, I forget what it's called. The title's out there. It's going to start Nathan Lane. Uh, and it, it, I mean, like, soon, soon. It is coming soon, soon. And you guys are going to shit your pants. Uh, and I am going to rob a bank or steal from a little old lady so that I can go see it. You think that I'm kidding, but know that if you see me there, that's how I got there. Because that's the only way I'm going to be able to do it. <laughs> because not only is this new Sondheim, this is new Sondheim based on two fucking avant-garde Brunel films. This is just for me. This only exists for Johnny Boy over here. You know, I was talking to a friend about this, or maybe I was talking about it on TikTok, or maybe I said it on the last podcast. I don't know. I don't know. I don't know what's going on. I don't know where I am. I don't know how I got here. I don't know how to get out. I'm in the Black Lodge. I'm in the Black Lodge. See you again in 25 years. Apparently, Sondheim had a lot of musicals. I was talking about it on my Discord, on, on the Patreon Discord. There it is. Sondheim had a lot of musicals that were, like, basically finished that he was like, ah, uh, nah. Or at least there was, like, working drafts of. And, I mean, like, 20, 30 plus, And they're all just sitting, at, like, in binders in that townhouse, I, 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 presumably still. Like, and it's stuff like he wrote a dark Alice in Wonderland musical, or, or at least, like, I heard there's a full working draft of it called Dream Child. Um, Alice in Wonderland, notoriously, no one has ever been able to bring it to the stage. It has been considered unstageable. I would love to see what he came up with. He wrote a lot for a Groundhog's Day musical, because originally he was working on a Groundhog's Day musical decades before Tim Minchin was even an entity. Love the Tim Minchin version. It took some time to grow on me. It took years for me to come to that point. But now I understand Never Give Up Hope, and I love it. <laughs> but yeah, old Stevie, Stevie Boy uh, took a crack at that. There's a lot that's just sitting there, and like part of me is like, oh boy, I hope his much younger partner or his estate does not exploit those works that Sondheim obviously did not want out. I hope they do not Tupac him, and then... The other part of me is like, gimme, gimme mommy's milk. Gimme, gimme mommy's milk. Baby needs mommy's milk. Baby, baby wants mommy's milk. Baby want the milk, baby. Give baby the milk. Give baby the milk. Give baby the milk. And I think the bigger part of me is sadly amoral and is saying, give baby the milk. Baby wants the milk. I think all the <laughs> this is stupid I'm stupid okay I think that's uh, enough for today I think that's enough for right now as always uh, this is all donations based please consider if you can 
or want to sending in even like five dollars helps uh paypal cash app i do not have venmo i do have zelle you can message me about it and that paypal and cash app are linked to juicy theater at gmail.com if you'd like to send a zelle just send me a uh email at that same email juicy theater theater with an re we are classy JuicyTheaterT at gmail.com. You can also send anonymous blind items, tips, things you want discussed, things you want investigated. I'm investigating a lot of things right now for uh, some people. Uh, wait, I'm not done. I'm not done. Speaking on this, you know, I'm not done. Hope you didn't turn it off because I'm not done. It really just fucking infuriates me, this whole Ben Vereen situation. And I've got to be careful what I say I have talked to victims, I have talked to the family of victims, I have heard testimony from people in the industry who say there's many more, their words, not mine. Why is Ben Vereen still being given bullshit awards by the Broadway community? Why on earth was Ben Vereen allowed into BroadwayCon after all of those testimonies from the production of Hair he directed, where he raped and sexually assaulted an entire cast of Hair, who were 50 or 40 years younger than he was. We're giving him awards at BroadwayCon, an event mostly aimed for teenagers and children? Fuck you, people. That's why it's hard to care about Broadway, because fuck you, people. Because you all saw that article came out, but you're all fucking bootlickers. You want to talk about me sniffing some socks and licking some toes? It tastes and smells better than licking the bottom of Broadway's boot, you motherfuckers. I can promise you. I can promise you. So I am out for the careers of those utter fuckbrains. Who allowed that? Who allowed that man to teach his pseudo-spiritual Ram Dass horseshit? Or at least it's horseshit coming from Ben Vereen. The fact that that was allowed after that article about hair in Tampa, and in, I guess after it's been a giant fucking industry open secret who Ben Vereen is, fuck you people. Fuck you people, fuck you people. I hope I get the chance to say it to your face because it'll make great content as well. Fuck you people. Shame on you. I hope you sleep as restless as I do at night, you absolute fucks. These are the same people who all know what Broadway directors still casting couch. This is the same theater who knew everything Scott Rudin was doing for decades but didn't give a shit because he was making them so much money. This is the same Broadway who praised the grown theater journalist dating the high school Broadway star, the underage high school Broadway star. These fucking people keep showing us who they are. When are we going to, like, acknowledge it? And with that, that is the end of another Sweaty Oracle podcast. Cash App, PayPal, Juicy Theater T with an RE at gmail.com. You can also send tips, topics, things you want anonymously reported on to that email. Um, uh, I also have a Patreon, uh, which I really, I, I, I love my subscribers. We have a bop in Discord with bootlegs and, and rare 
unreleased cast recordings and soundboards that do not officially exist on anybody else's trading sites. Uh, continue, uh, consider a sub. It's only $10. Uh, also, you can consider me a sub because I am uh, not dominant at all. What the fuck? <laughs> what the fuck, Mr. Lewis? Oh, I just doxed my last name. Bye!